since we're having a little bit of fun with a few different would you rather scenarios, I've invited a few of my friends to play a little game of would you rather with some presents. Here I have my friend Jesse. Jesse, thank you for being here today. You have to make the decision which one you are going to unwrap based solely off of how it looks. However, you only get to unwrap one. And inside one of these presents is something you're probably gonna like, and inside the other is something you're probably not gonna like. Should I pick it up and see how it sounds inside? That one, this sounds like books, the left one. Yeah, who wants books? Actually, I'd like a good book. Yeah, do you wanna open this one? A roll of toilet paper. What do you think? You got a bag of clothespins. It is a, it's a book. Is this exactly what you were hoping for? No. How come? What am I supposed to do with them? Would you be sad if I didn't give you this one? No. You wouldn't be sad? No. How come? Because I'm a big kid. What? for being such a big kid. I'm gonna give you this one too. Thank you. Yes. How does this make you feel? Happy. Just because you're awesome, you're gonna get to take this home too. Yay, thank you. You're welcome. Nothing like putting a kid through it. That's the way that works right there. Well, we've been doing this series. We're concluding our series today called Would You Rather. We're talking about two different things. You can pick the option that you want to take. But before we play the game today, i got to tell you about something that, uh, pretty significant that you guys just pulled off that you might not be aware of. Uh, we have a partner in Nicaragua. We sponsor or we have started 16 churches in Nicaragua. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, yeah, it's an awesome thing. And even during the pandemic, we launched a new church in Nicaragua. Well, if you pay attention to the weather around the world, you know that Nicaragua got hit by two hurricanes back to back about a week apart, two Category 4 hurricanes and the flooding was severe and I want to show you what you guys did in Nicaragua. Take a look at this. Over the course of 12 days this past November, the country of Nicaragua was devastated by two category four hurricanes that made landfall less than 15 miles apart from each other. Torrential rains, 15 to 20 foot storm surges, flooding, and the resulting landslides have caused catastrophic damage, impacting over five million people and displacing hundreds of thousands of Nicaraguans from their homes. Downed trees and power outages have slowed relief efforts and made matters even worse. Since 2014, God has used Sagebrush Church to build partnerships with organizations like Familia Avance and 16 churches in the country for such a time as this. He has been preparing us to help whenever needed. Because of your generosity and your faithfulness to the mission God has called us to, we were able to send 2,000 care kits and a shipping container filled with manna-packed meals from Feed My Starving Children to our partners in Nicaragua. These resources have been delivered to local churches in the area, so aid can be distributed directly to the people who need it most by those who can best respond to the needs of their communities. Thank you to all of you for being so open-hearted and open-handed in a way that has allowed us to show the life-changing power of Christ's love around the world. 
So you can imagine the thousands of lives that you impact, and it all happened because of your generosity. So once again, Sagebrush, thank you for being so faithful during this pandemic. We are continuing to work all around the world trying to help as many people as we can and spread the message of Jesus Christ as much as we possibly can. So we're thankful for that. All right, let's play a game of would you rather. I'm going to throw a question up here. You give me a one or a two if you're watching on social media. If you're here in the room playing along with the pastor, put your hand up and tell me which one that you would choose. Here we go. Would you rather share your house with a family of rats or live with your in-laws forever? <laughs> uh, some of you are like, well, I don't know what to say. Because you're afraid what your wife's going to do if you raise your hand, right? That's what's going to happen. Some of you are like, this is a no-brainer, Todd. I'm going to live with a family of rats. And if that's you, you need to move a 1,000 miles away from your in-laws, all right? Let's find out which one you would pick. How many would choose the house of rats rather than a couple of brave souls have raised their hand here in this room? There's going to be a major fight tonight. Someone's sleeping on the couch. Okay, how about this one? You'd rather mooch off your in-laws for the rest of your life. Just out of curiosity. Wow, that's amazing as well. All right, let's move to the next one. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Some of you can't answer this because you're not here yet. So uh, that's a problem for you. How many would choose to be always be 10 minutes late? Always 10 minutes late so you don't mind everybody else waiting on you because you're a narcissist. All right, that's good. And then how about this? You want to be 20 minutes early? Yep, that's this crowd for sure. There's no doubt. All right, how about this one? Would you rather go back to age five with everything you know now and relive it or know now everything your future self will learn? So you start now and you'll know everything your future self would So how many would like to go back to the age of five with what you know now? Let me see. You want to do middle school again? Let me see where you're at. Okay. How many are like, no, I'm good. I've done that once. But to know everything I'll have at the end of my life would be good right now. How many would choose option two? Yeah, quite a few of you. All right. Let me give you another one. Would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night or sweat maple syrup? I don't care when I'm going to ask that one. All right. Let's go to the next one. Would you rather be out of control or be under control? Now, this one seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? So think about it. How many like to be under control? You want your mouth to be under control. You don't want to say things that you later regret. You don't want your bad habits to get the best of you. Okay. How many would say, no, I, I like to be out of control. I like to leave damage. Yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer, it's it's no right? Because we've seen the effects that when someone's out of control, people get hurt. Kind of like these people right here. Take a look. Now you oohed and awed on every, oh, ooh, and you could feel their pain, couldn't you? 
Well, it's one thing when somebody else is out of control. It's a whole other thing when it's you that are out of control. And here's what's interesting. None of us really want to be out of control, but let's be facing facts. It's easier to go out of control than to stay under control. And so we always end up doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing. I, I bet there's an area of your life right now that you'd say, well, Todd, it's, it is slightly out of control. And it's doing damage not only to myself, but it's doing damage to somebody else. It might even be doing damage to the, the very heart of God. Let me, let me play a few of these and see if any of these resonate with you. As for some of us, our spending is out of control. And aren't you glad I'm talking about this during the Christmas season? Because you want everyone to have a wonderful Christmas. And, and your credit card is, is smoking hot because you've been sp- scanning that thing over and over and over again like a couple of pieces of wood. You know, the, and the number one reason for divorce, first five years, is finances, isn't it? And why is that? Because we buy things that we, we, we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. And we somehow think that the stuff of this world is somehow going to satisfy us. The average American right now is over $8,550 in debt, in credit card debt. And the average American has $500 in their savings account. Now, here's what's sad. Some of you think, well, I'm not out of control after all. I thought I was, but I'm only $6,000 in credit card debt, and I've got $750 in my savings account. Friends, you're still out of control when it comes to your spending. You've never seen a sale that you didn't like. If you ever said to yourself, well, we can't afford it, but go ahead, let's just put it on the credit card. This is probably an area that's a little bit out of control. Let me give you another one. Uh, Some people are out of control when it comes to their eating. And isn't this wonderful that we're talking about this during the Christmas season? Because there's so many Christmas treats to enjoy and kick back and relax. And during the pandemic, what do we do? We eat. We stress eat. And some of us, we've gained a few pounds. We're like, you know, when January comes rolling around, I'm going to get rid of this weight. There was this woman, and and she was a little bit out of control with her weight. And she wanted to lose some weight. and, And she tried everything she could. And she went into Weight Watchers and other diet programs. She even took some of those appetite-suppressant pills, but none of it seemed to work for her. One day, she got the idea. She found a picture, an 18-by-24 picture of, of a beautiful girl in a bikini. And she put the picture up on the refrigerator, and she taped it there as a way to motivate her so that every time that she went to the refrigerator, she would look at that picture, and she would be motivated to step away from the fridge and not get something to eat that she didn't need at that moment. And it worked for this woman. She lost 10 pounds in the first month. Her husband gained 20, but she lost 10 pounds (laughs) in the first. Have you ever heard the dieter's prayer? Lord, grant me the strength that I may not fall into the clutches of cholesterol. At polyunsaturates, I'll never mutter, for the road to hell is paved in butter. And cake is cursed, and cream is awful, and Satan is hiding around every waffle. Beelzebub is a chocolate drip, and Lucifer is a lollipop, and crisp fried chicken from the south. Oh, Lord, if you love me, please shut my mouth. We we laugh at that, but there are millions of people who suffer from overeating and obsessive eating and and stress eating, and that would be an area of their life that they would love to get some control over. For others, the issue is pornography. 15% of the uh, internet traffic that's going on every single day is to pornographic websites. When you type something into a search engine, 25% of that search engine is trying to get you to a pornographic website. I bet you didn't know that. And a lot of people have bought into the trap, and they go to these sites, and they look at these videos, and they look at these pictures, and 
and they become obsessed with it. It becomes a habitual thing for them, and, and they feel a lot of guilt and, and a lot of shame, and they say to themselves, I'm not going to go back to that again. I'm going to delete that. I'm, I'm not going to keep looking at that over. I'm not going back, and yet they continue to return to it. Every single one of us in this room, every single person watching me on, uh, on TV, on the stream right now, you're just a few mouse clicks away from a, a world of shame and disgrace. And you'd say, man, that's, a, that's an area of my life that's out of control. Because if your wife or your husband grabbed your phone or your iPad or your computer, you would just be in hopes that they wouldn't look back at your history to see what you've really been looking at, what you've really been watching area of your life out of control. And let me give you another one Pete, you might relate to. Uh, your words, your mouth, the words that come out of your mouth, lies and, and gossip and profanity, using God's name in vain, using those substitute cuss words. We all know what you mean when you say freaking. We, we all know what you mean when you say, oh my gosh. We all know that you're using our Lord's name in vain, that you're using it in a flippant way. And, and your mouth is out of control because it's, just, it's become a part of your habit. It's just become the way that you speak to somebody else. Uh, Mark Twain was on a, a, a train, and he was in this one club car, and there was only one other person on the club car. And he was talking to the guy in the club car. He was talking about how he had just been to Maine, and he had just done some fishing for three weeks. Never mind the fact that the fishing season had already come to a close and Mark Twain didn't have a license to go fishing. He went on and on about his great catch of fish and what a wonderful time. He had three weeks out there catching one fish after another after another. And the more he told his stories, the more the man in the club car grew a little bit more and more restless. And so Mark Mark Twain said, hey, uh, I've been talking the whole time. Hey, what, what do you do for a living? And the man said, well, I'm the state game warden. And he looked at Mark Twain and said, now what do you do? And Mark Twain said, well, to be honest with you, I'm the biggest liar in the United States of America. But we, we allow these things to get out of control, don't we? We say we're not going to lie to get ourselves out of trouble anymore. We say we're not going to gossip anymore. We say we're not going to use profanity. We're not going to tell that dirty joke anymore. We, we pray these kinds of prayers. Set a guard over my mouth that I might sin against you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. We know what Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4 says. There should not be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For some of us, it's not your mouth. For some of you, it's your job. And you're the workaholic. And you're never home. And there's always another project. There's always something else that needs to be done. And you're trying to... You know, provide things for your family that you didn't get as a kid. And, and what you don't understand is they don't care about the presence. Your kids care about your presence. There's quite a bit of difference between the two. And yet there's a lot of people that are out of control when it comes to their job. There was a, Mike Bro tells the story of a couple of paddle boats that were just paddling down the Mississippi, just enjoying their day, when all of a sudden there became a race between the two, an impromptu race, and the competitive juices began to flow. And so they began to throw the cargo, you know, they, excuse me, they began to throw the coal into the, into the engine so they could get it going as fast as they possibly could. And so it, just when one paddle boat looked like it was going to pull away, it ran out of coal. So you know what they did? They grabbed the cargo, and they threw the cargo into the fire so they could stoke the engine so they could win the race. And they did. They won the race. They burned up all their cargo. But they won the race. Of course, parents, you understand what I'm talking about. On board is precious cargo. It's your kids. 
but you want to win the rat race. You want to climb the corporate ladder. You want to get the promotion. You want to make the big bucks. You're burning your cargo along the way. And, and here's what really gets me. There's some kids sitting in the living room. There's some kids sitting in this room. And they're saying, I hope my dad's listening. I hope my mom's listening. Because what he's saying is true. There's some spouse who's saying, I just wish my spouse would get this. That they would understand that the way that they're living their life isn't the way we always wanted to live it. There's an old ancient proverb that says, he who burns the candle at both ends isn't as bright as he thinks he is. That's true, isn't it? There's all kinds of areas that can be out of control. Alcohol could be the area you're out of control. Drugs could be the area that you're out of control. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Do you have an area of your life that's a little bit out of control right now? You probably have to say, yeah, I, I do. Well, if you do, you're in good company. Because the Apostle Paul, who was the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth, his life was just a little bit out of control as well. And he talks about it in Romans chapter 7. This is what he says. He says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Can anybody identify with what he's talking about? He said, I, I got these plans, I got these dreams, I got these hopes. This is where I really, really want to live my life. I really want to do this thing. It's the hard way, it's the narrow way, but I know it's the right way. I really want to go that way, but I keep finding myself going this way instead. I don't do the things that I should be doing, and I start doing the things that I know I shouldn't be doing. He says, I'm a little bit out of control. And he wants to be under control. And just a second ago, I asked you that question. How many want to be out of control? How many want to be under control? And it was 100% that I want to be under control. I'm tired of my mouth hurting someone else. I'm tired of doing things I shouldn't do, saying things I shouldn't say, going places I shouldn't go to. I'm tired of my life not, not giving glory to God in everything that I say and in everything that I do. I want to be under control. Well, thankfully, in this passage of Scripture, Paul tells us how this is a possibility. You ready for this? Write this down if you're taking notes. Three steps to getting under control. The first one is this. You've got to admit that you've got a problem. You've got to admit that you've got a problem. Here's the interesting thing about self-control. You ready for this? It's easy to see someone else's life out of control rather than seeing your own life out of control. It's always easier. Listen to the truth. It's always easier to see the sin in somebody else's life than to see it in your own life. I mean, that's why, that's why Jesus said, hey, don't judge somebody else. You know, first take care of the plank in your eye before you deal with the speck in somebody else's. It's always easier to deflect, isn't it? It's always easier to say, well, that guy's out of control, but me, compared to him, I'm in really good shape right now. There was a movie that came out years ago called Bruce Almighty. Jim Carrey's character had the ability to have godlike characteristics. And there was a guy who was the anchor man that uh, Jim Carrey's character really wanted that job. And so one day he took over the teleprompter and the poor anchor man found himself completely out of control. Take a look at what I'm talking about. Good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News at 6. I'm Susan Ortega. And I'm Evan Baxter and here's what's making news. A potential scandal with the Buffalo PD surfaced today when the mayor... <coughs> What the man demanded that the chief of police... As a response to allegations of... 
Somebody get him some water, please. <coughs> yeah, it looks like my new co-anchor may need a glass of water. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. Here we go. Sorry about that. <coughs> <coughs> I love that clip for some reason. It's funny to see sometimes. Sometimes it's funny to see somebody else that's out of control. Like, Man, look at that guy. I'm telling you what, I'm better off than they are. Not so funny when you finally realize it's you that's out of control. You know what I found out about the human condition is that we like to deflect. We like to look at somebody else and say, well, I'm not as bad as them, or I'm not as bad as them, so I don't need to deal with the stuff that's in my life. And so we say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm not as messed up as that person is. I'm in good shape. I can quit anytime I want to. But then we just continue in the same cycle, don't we? And we get more and more out of control. We do more damage to ourselves, more damage to the people that we say that we love, more damage to the very heart of God. And for some of us, we're so out of control that you're going you're gonna to lose everything. I mean, do you, do you have to lose your spouse before you to finally admit that you've got a problem? Do, do you have to lose your, your family? Do you have to lose your kids? Do you have to lose your job? Do you, do you have to lose everything because you refuse to admit that you have a problem? For some of us, we've got to hit rock bottom before we'll finally say, you know what, I, I, I need help. I, I, I've, got, I've got to fix this. This is, this is something that's out of control. Gene Apple, he writes this. He says, pain is the megaphone that God uses to shout at us. It's the catastrophe where we hit bottom physically or emotionally or relationally or financially or spiritually. It's when your son or your daughter says with deep-seated resentment, I hate you. It's the bewilderment of waking up and you can't remember where you were the night before and what you did. It's the arrest for driving under the influence. It's the divorce. It's the bankruptcy. It's the pain that's so great and so high, so overwhelming, that finally it eats through your denial. Paul says, I, I, I don't need that. I know, I know I'm a mess. I, I, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I should do. I'm a, I'm a wretched person. I'm a wretched mess. I, I need help. If you can't admit that you've got a problem, you will never be able to fix it. Because you cannot fix what you deny. So Paul says, it's me. It's me. I'm the one in need. I'm the one that needs God to help me do that which I cannot do on my own. And that brings me to point number two. We have to surrender control of our lives over to God. This is what Paul says in Romans 7, 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now here's what's great. When you become a Christian, 
you get the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know that, right? The Holy Spirit comes to take residence inside of you, and the Holy Spirit gives you power to say no to those things, to get areas of your life that are out of control, under control. And every day we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And what does that mean? It means we need to surrender to what God wants to do in our life. We say around here all the time, less of me, more of you. God, do what you want. Do what you will in and through my life. And so you go to God and you surrender this area of your life and say, God, this is the area that I'm out of control. This is where I'm messing up. This is where I am powerless. But I know through the power of your Holy Spirit, I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through you who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible with you. So through the power of your Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, I surrender this area of my life over to you. Now, how often do you do this? You ready? You do it every day, every single day. And when the temptation comes your way and you start feeling out of control again, you surrender again. Sometimes it's an act of surrender several times a day. Sometimes it comes every hour. Sometimes it comes every minute. Sometimes it's second by second. Oh, God, help me. I have a problem And I cannot overcome this myself. And you say it again and again and again. Why? Because the temptation comes again and again and again. The opportunity to be out of control in these areas of our life come at us again and again and again. Let's talk about spending. You do realize that you can spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with the internet. I mean with Amazon. I had to do a a, a private mediation with my middle daughter about Amazon. We had to delete the app because Amazon, well, she became good friends with the delivery man from the Amazon. Do you understand what I'm saying? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can buy whatever you want. Whether you can afford it or not. Whether you need it or not. You can just go online. You can get on that app. You can buy whatever you want. But you're trying to get on a budget. You're trying to be financially fit. You're trying to be honoring as a good manager and steward of the money that God's entrusted to your care. You want to honor God in the way that you spend your finances. You think that's a one-time surrender? Do you think you can just come to God one time and say, hey, God, I'm out of control in the area of my finances. But I know right now because I'm giving it over to you that you got it from here. And that's it. You're good. And from this point forward, you're going to have financial bliss. You think that's the way it works? Some of us are out of control when it comes to eating. Can I tell you something about food? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Even during the pandemic, it was everywhere. You can find food, any kind of food. You can go to your pantry. You can go to the refrigerator. You can go to your freezer. You can go through a drive-thru, anytime, any, any place you want, and you can turn on TV. You ever been on a diet, you turn the TV on, and all that food looks delicious, doesn't it, on TV? That's the most delicious food. They never show you, like, a commercial about cottage cheese and corn. You ever notice that? It's never like that. It's never... It's always something delicious. You can blow a diet anytime you want. You can gain weight anytime you want. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're hungry, you walk in the other room, get something to eat. But we're supposed to be a steward of the body that God has given us. It's supposed to be under control, but it's out of control. How about this one, workaholic? The boss always has another project. The boss always has another dream. 
My, our, our staff has been working so hard during this pandemic. And I'm so glad that we're going to be online and on TV for Christmas Eve because they're exhausted. And they need this week to be back with their families. Because if you know anything about me, there's always another project. There's always another dream. There's always another person to reach for Jesus Christ. And it's noble. And it's honorable. And it's good. And when it's out of balance, you can ruin families. You can ruin marriages. You see, you can even be doing good things. And it can become so out of control that you end up doing damage to those that you care about. So we, we say, okay, I, I, I've got a problem. I, I've got to get this under control. And so I come to God and I say, God, I, I need your help. I, I need you to do this. Now, some of you look at me and you're kind of skeptical because you're like, Todd, I've done this. And it didn't work for me. I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and, and it, it just didn't work out for me. Are, are you sure you did it right? Because this is what Paul says in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 3. He says, have you lost your senses? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Okay, you've got to ask yourself, did you really surrender it? Because I know, I know this about me. Maybe it's true about you, but I can let it go and then pick it right back up and think that I've surrendered it because I talked to God about it. See, this is why this is so difficult because when you let it go, you have to let it go. And then when you find yourself kind of wondering about it and kind of moving back towards it, you got to say, I don't want that, and you let it go again. Paul says, you, you were free. You were, you were free from this. You, you let it go. And then what did you do? You went back to your same old human efforts. You didn't lean upon the Spirit of God. You didn't count on the Spirit of God. You lived your life as if God doesn't even exist. And so what did you do? You ended up in the same out-of-control mess that you were in before. Paul says, have you lost your senses? When I look at the heroes of the, of the Bible, you know, the, the people that we want, you know, emulate and we learn so much from, heroes of our faith, they learn to trust God to do things inside of them that they could never do themselves because they believed that God was with them and that God could do it through them. I think about David running out in that battlefield as a teenager. All, all the other people, that Saul and all the armies, they, they, they thought, oh my goodness, that, that, that giant Goliath, he scares me to death. No one can take him on. And when David saw that loudmouth jerk, he said, somebody's got to shut him up. He has defied the, the, uh, the armies of God. He's defied God himself. And, and the Bible says that he runs out onto the battleground because the battle belongs to the Lord. Why did he run out onto the battleground? Because he believed that God was with him. And that God could do exceedingly abundantly more than anything he dreamed or imagined. So he trusted God in a way that most people never even get to. You look at the whole totality of the Bible. You see them saying, God was with me through this. Noah building the ark, God was with him. Moses parting the Red Sea, God was with him. You think about Daniel in the lion's den. 
God was with him, shutting the mouths of those lions. God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they found themselves in the fiery furnace. God was with Peter the day that he stood up and the church started out. On the on day of Pentecost, and he proclaims that Jesus has risen again from the dead to the same people who 47 days earlier had crucified Jesus. God was with Paul when he went from one town to another town to another town proclaiming that Jesus has risen again from the dead. Here's where I find great comfort. You ready for this? The same Holy Spirit that lived in them lives in you and lives in me. And the things that the Holy Spirit did then can still do today, but you've got to be surrendered and it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, second-by-second surrender. Oh, God, less of me and more of you. God, fill me with your Spirit's presence. Flow through me in such a way that I would never want to return to that which is messing up my life. Give me strength and give me power to say no to that and yes to you. I don't want to keep doing what I don't want to do. I want to do the things I know I should do. And you cannot pull it off yourself. Take it from one who knows. You get on your knees and you seek the face of God and you ask him for strength and for power that you simply don't have. And then your life will start to get back under control. You say, okay, Todd, how in the world do we do this? Well, let's go over to the big board because I'm going to show you how to do this every single day. You ready? It's super simple. You've got to spend time with God every day on a daily basis. Maybe several times a day. You've got to lean on God like you lean on your next breath of life. Now, we've got to ask ourselves, I mean, if you're out of control in an area of your life, are you doing that? Are you seeking his face even several times a day for a few minutes each time? How about this? You pray your heart out to God. You just give him every care and every worry and every weakness and every concern. And then you pick a verse or two and you memorize and you meditate upon the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is living and active. The Word of God is where we get our power. The Word of God is where we gain our courage. How about this one? You make church a priority and you show up every week. And when I talk about showing up every week, you can show up here physically. You can show up uh, online. You can show up on TV. I get there's a pandemic going on. And I get that the church is scattered. But you got to show up. And you got to remove all the distractions, especially if you're at home. Because I remember when the pandemic was going on and I was at home watching this crazy stuff. And I got hungry. About, you know, 15 minutes into my talking, I was in the kitchen getting me a cookie, you know. So, how about this? You've got to get involved in the ministry. You've got to get in a small group. And until you start doing these basics that we call of Christianity, you're, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. But when you start taking the message of God and the, and the word of God and your spiritual life seriously... You're going to be under control of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start living the life that you always dreamed that you could live. So how do we get back under control? We've got, to admit we've got a problem. And, and then we've got to call upon the Lord. We've got to surrender. We've got to surrender our lives over to Him. And the third thing is, is this, we need an accountability partner to help us. Let, let me explain. You can't pull this off on your own. One, you need the Holy Spirit. And, and, and two, you need somebody else to help you. And I would encourage you not to use your wife or your husband because you don't want to get a divorce. And I don't think that kind of accountability works, to be honest with you. I think guys need guys and, and ladies need ladies. And 
because you could be more honest with them. And, and here's how it works. Accountability partners, both of you are accountable to each other. So what does that mean? It means both of you know enough about each other that you could ruin each other, but you won't because you could ruin each other. You say, well, what, 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 do I do? what do I do? How do I get an accountability partner? Well, you find a trusted friend who loves the Lord, and then you sit down about once a week, and you ask questions of each other. You say, well, what questions do we ask? Well, you write up four questions about your greatest weakness. Four questions that you wouldn't want anyone to ever ask you, but you're giving this person the permission to ask these four questions. So you formulate your four questions. They formulate their four questions over what their weakness is. You go back and forth. Each of you gets a shot at each other. Have, have you done this? Have you done this? And then you add a fifth question. Everybody gets the same fifth question. You say, what's the fifth question? It's super simple. Have you said anything to me today that was a lie or an exaggeration? Now, here's what's interesting. Most people who blow it, who lose everything, can't admit they've got a problem. They don't rely upon the Holy Spirit. And they refuse to let somebody in their inner world they can look across the table at and actually help them become the person that they always wanted to become. There's a wide road, friends. And it leads to destruction. But Jesus has called us to the narrow road. The road that leads not only to eternal life, <laughs> but abundant life as well. It's the hard road. It's the narrow road. It's the path least chosen. Listen to me. It's always easier to get in it than it is to get out of it. It's always easier to get in debt than get out of debt. It's always easier to blow it in some area of your life than not to blow it in that area of your life. You need the power of God's Holy Spirit and you need the power of other people in your life. Are you out of control? And will you take the necessary steps to get back in control under the power and the guidance of God above? Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, it's easy to get out of control. It's easy to get into the mess. It's really hard to get out of it. But Lord, you've told us how to do it. We have to admit we've got an issue. And we've got to surrender that issue to you over and over and over again. And then we've got to get somebody into our life that will breathe truth into us. And Lord, if we don't do it, where there's a great possibility we're going to lose it all. Help us not to blow this off. Help us to take this seriously. So seriously, Lord, that we would find a friend who we could confide in. Who would keep us on that narrow road so seriously that we would find ourselves on our knees begging for your help and for your guidance. Lord, there's a lot of people watching me that needed to hear this message. I pray for those who don't have a relationship with you. They don't know what it is to lean on you, to trust you, to follow you, to serve you, to lay their burdens down before you. They're still trying to do it in their own human effort and they're failing they're returning back to that which they said they would never return to. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Today would be the day they get things right with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, you're struggling. 
Maybe you're not a Christian. I, I, don't, I don't know the condition of you. But if you keep going back to it and 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 you keep going back to your own strength, there, there could be, it could be that you've never truly released and surrendered your life over to Jesus. You need to talk to somebody about that. If you're in the room, you can go to the first steps room and talk to somebody about that. We can pray for you over that area as well. But if you want to talk to someone about what a real relationship with Jesus really is, where you lean on him and you count on him and he provides you his Holy Spirit, he provides you strength, we want to help you. If you're at home, you're watching me, wherever you're at, 505-922-9200. And I've got pastors on standby ready to answer your call, ready to answer your text. We just want to help you any way we can. We've seen so many broken people. I've been broken. You've been broken. It's just not worth it. When you're out of control, it, the payoff is never what you think it's going to be. Here's your chance to start taking those steps down that narrow road. And it all begins with a relationship, a real relationship with a real God who really does the, have the power to help you through what you're facing today. So call us or text us, 505-922-9200, or go over to the First Steps room. We'll help you any way that we possibly can. This week is going to be the Christmas Eve services uh, online and on TV. And I think you're getting a postcard in the mail this week. It's also, you can check the website. Uh, you can check uh, the social media pages for all the times that we're going to air for Christmas Eve. And then we're going to have services next weekend. And so I hope that you'll come back for the, the weekend or you'll tune in at home as well. And then the, the following week will be our big best of that we do every year. And then we're going to begin a brand new series, January the 9th and the 10th, called Underdog. If there's ever a time we need a, an overcoming series about overcoming pressure and, and problems in life and being the underdog, this is the time that we need it. So we're going to start the new year being the underdog and see that God loves the underdog. The band has come out. They're going to sing a beautiful song. So listen to the words of this song. Some may trust in horses Some may trust in chariots Oh, but I I'm gonna trust in the name of the Lord Some trust in their riches Some may trust in all they own trust in the name of the Lord. There is wonder-working power, Holy Spirit power, great redeeming power, power in the name, resurrection power, bondage-breaking power, power 
mountains above you are you are where my help is from i lift my eyes to the maker of heaven and earth you are you are where my help is from there is wonder working power holy spirit power great redeeming power power What an amazing truth and how reassuring it is to know that there is power in the name of the Lord over anything we go through in this world. If you have questions about your faith or if you'd like to talk to a member of our pastoral team about next steps, we want to connect with you. You can call or text us at 505-922-9200 or visit sagebridge.church connect and someone will be in touch with you soon. Finally, if God has used the ministry of Sagebrush Church to bless your life in any way, and you want to contribute financially to the work God is doing across the world, you can make a donation at sagebrush.church give or by using the Sagebrush app. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you for Christmas services. Be sure to check out times and ways to watch at sagebrush.church Christmas. Have a great week.